Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Relax Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Popplestone, and super pumped that you're here on the podcast today. I'm so excited to introduce our guest. He's a bloke that I've admired, looked up to as an athlete since I was about 17 years old. Uh, he's coming at us from the States. His name is Ben Blankenship. Now, if you haven't heard of Ben before, this guy has an incredible ability just to make teams, which in the United States is no easy feat. There, their qualification process is pretty brutal. It's pretty cutthroat. You've got to be in the top three on the right day. Otherwise, you're not going to the team that you're planning to go on. And this guy seems to do it time and time again. And after chatting to his training partner, Pat Tiernan, who's also the Aussie 10K record holder, Pat told me that uh, this guy just has the ability to not only turn it on, but to switch off when it's no longer time to be thinking about running. And I was fascinated because I feel like there's a lot that we can take out of a mindset like that to apply to not only our running, but to our lives in general. And this conversation doesn't disappoint. I'm able to tap into, you know, the mental aspect of his game, but also pick his brains on his training, his recovery, everything else around and outside his running. So really, really excited to uh, not only listen back to this one myself, but to share it with you all. If you like it, make sure you throw him a little bit of love. I've tagged his Instagram handle in the show notes below. So let him know you heard it. Say well done. Say thanks very much. He's a, he's a really good bloke, so I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Guys, if you do like these conversations and you want to get more, Relax Running has a distance membership. Now, I know some of you are already big fans of it because there's quite a few of you who are already all over it. But if you're not, let me give you a quick overview of what you're going to find in the membership. So there's three sections to it. The first section is the training program. So we've got a training program for every single person, no matter what stage of their running they're at. If you're getting ready for a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, well, we've got training programs from beginner, intermediate, through to advanced. If you're not training for anything specific, like, specifically right now, but you just want to get into it, build your running base, we've got a 30-day beginner run program, which, there's, which is the newest one on the membership. We've also got a 28-day running challenge. We've got a whole heap of others on there, and they're continually being updated. So you're going to find something which suits your specific skill level. We also have the Elite Insight video library. Now, this is the section where we have Olympians and exercise physiologists and podiatrists and physios and dietitians and who's who in the world of distance running answering specific member questions on all things running. So stop wasting your time jumping around on Google trying to navigate your way through finding answers to your questions. Come on over and ask it to the people who are actually living and breathing the uh, running game, who actually know what they're doing. It's not just opinions, it's not just speculation. There's actually some real factual, helpful information there to help guide you through. The last part of the membership, which is potentially uh, my, they're all my favorite. I really, I'm biased, I love it, okay? We've got a relaxed running members forum. So jump on board there to ask members your questions, to answer other members' questions, but also to share your progress, keep us updated with how you're training, is going. So if that sounds good to you, we've got a three-day free trial. With that three-day free trial, you're going to be able to jump on board, see if it's for you. If it's not, just press cancel. You don't even have to contact me to say you don't want it. I'm never going to know. So three-day free trial, uh, most of them stick around. Most of the members stay on board, but there's no pressure. If it's not for you, it's not for you. I get it. I understand. Relaxrunning.com slash distance members. Now, before I introduce this show, I've also got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the best running underwear in the world. I don't just say that because they're a sponsor. They're a sponsor 
because of the fact that I say that. Rundy's Undies Athletic Underwear are today's sponsor. Now, if you don't know these guys, these are they're like the F1 of the running underwear world. These guys, I, honestly, my sports undies drawer is just filled with these guys. Now, they've actually made their way into my just daily undies where I don't just wear them when I run anymore. I wear them just all around the place with other clothes on, of course, but they're always the foundation. These guys have uh, jocks and running briefs and sports bra and cheeky little G-bangers if that's what you like to run in. And you guys are going to get 20% off their products, even on their discounted items, by using the coupon code SMOOTH21. That's S-M-O-O-T-H-2-1 at rundies.com.au. Make sure you give them a go. You're going to be a really big fan. I know I am. If you're not happy and you come to me and say, hey, Tyson, you told me they were awesome. You told me I was going to love them, and I don't. That won't happen. That's how confident I am. But if you do, I'm going to give you a 12-month free membership on the Relaxed Running membership. That's how much I back what they are doing. So, guys, make sure you check those out, rundies.com.au. But let me get out of your way and introduce one of the best middle-distance runners going around in the world right now. His name is Ben Blankenship. Should we just, dude, do you just want to get into it? I've already, I'll hit record. I feel like all the juicy stuff just um, comes out before or after I've hit record so often. No problem, man. Awesome, brother. Awesome. Man, yeah. thanks so much for, um, thanks so much for making the time to come on. I was, I was pumped when you, when you hit me back on Instagram. It was a, uh, I was speaking to Big Patty Tiernan last week and your name came up about 25 times in the conversation. And man, I've been following you running for a little while. So I thought, all right, I'll send him a little love note on Instagram and hope he gets back to me. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, God, 25 times. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I think in the context of our conversation, it was a really positive thing. In fact, I wish my name had been mentioned as many times next to the times uh, that we were mentioning for the distances that you were run as uh, as what he was saying. But uh, it was a good conversation. So as soon as I hung up, I thought, all right, Blankenship gets a message. Nice. Appreciate that, man. Awesome, brother. You got your parcel, did you say? you uh, we, we just delayed it five minutes because you had the postman coming. Exactly. Yeah, I had this package coming. Yeah, all's good. What did you get in the mail? What uh, what was coming your way? Oh, just a bunch of bunch of random stuff. Uh, my house. I'm in an alleyway, um, and it's a little bit tough for people to find. I don't. It, it doesn't make logical sense how the numbers. Like I'm behind another house, and all the other houses face the street, but I'm kind of tucked into this alley. So. People have a tough time finding it. So uh, inevitably, I get a call five minutes, you know, past, and they're like, "Oh, where's your house?" I'm like, oh, here it is. <laughs> Matt, because you're up in Flagstaff, you said, "Hey, you're on your training camp." Yeah, yeah, for the next kind of month, five, six weeks, maybe up here until kind of kind of get the race scheduled. Yeah, awesome, Matt. Because I was uh, I was having a chat with Pat on that conversation we were just talking about, and he said, "I think he said he was about to go up there." Is he up there with you at the moment? Yeah, he's been up for about a week, I think. Full week now. Yeah, awesome. And what, you've just arrived, have you? Uh, no, I've been up. I, I came about a week before those guys, you know. Yeah. Not, so. What's the elevation there, man? What, are, what, what height are we talking about over there? Uh, I, I, you know, if I did math really poorly to get to <laughs> meters, it would be like 20, 
200 meters maybe you know we're at like 7,000 feet right you know 7,000 feet is what 2,200 meters 2,300 meters you know what I was math, hoping, right? I was really hoping you wouldn't flip that question around on me because I have <laughs> no idea of how that converts so anyone listening can jump onto Google and uh, and type in that conversion uh, but man just to just to back you up I'm going to say yeah I reckon that would be around mm. about right if my math serves oh, me correctly perfect, perfect. <laughs> we're going to be both way off I can already tell <laughs> So, is this an annual trip that you guys take? How often have you? Uh, how often have you been going up to Northern Arizona? Uh, it's not no Flagstaff. Yeah, where is that? My geography's yeah, off now as well as my maths. No problem. Yeah, we're like two and a half hours north of Phoenix. Um, I was just telling telling my uh, partner this is my tenth year up here. Uh, so it's been a, I've been up here a long time. I would never imagine my first trip up here that ten years later I'd still be coming. Yeah, because how old are you now, man? Uh, like I'm young, man, young at heart. Uh, I'm 32 right now. Um, uh, yeah, feel pretty good. Dude, please keep calling that young. Cause I've got two years on you. I'm 34 and I've been going hard saying I'm young though. You've got a better beard than me. I'm i uh, I'm a little bit disappointed by that. I almost didn't recognize you without your headband on. Actually, as soon as that, that head of yours popped up, I was waiting to see a big Nike ticket at the front of a white headband. It almost threw me off. I thought, who is Funny. this stranger? Uh, well, if anybody's keeping us young, it's Chris Thompson. That bloody good run of his last weekend. What's he done? I actually, man, this is, uh, this is I should have done my research before I got you on here. You should have done more research. <laughs> he just won the British uh, Marathon Trials. And what time did he get across in? Uh, man, I wish I should know it right off the top of my head. I know that he ran the Olympic standard, punched his ticket to go to Rio, or Rio, punched his ticket to go to Tokyo, uh, yeah, uh, I can't. I don't know it off the top of my head. I wish I knew, but it was yeah. a hell of a run for him. Far out, man. Thirty-nine years lot. old, incredible. How old is he? Thirty-nine. Going to be forty in like a month. Gee, I love man. I love stories like that. Though I actually, so man, I was a I was a competitive runner up until about two thousand and thirteen, two thousand and fourteen. Then when okay. I realised the time that I was going to be uh, going to be running or was running were nowhere near you on the results sheet of a uh, of after the race. I thought, you know what, I'm going to move on to bigger and better. Th- I say bigger and better, but the truth is I just wasn't as fast as I wanted to be. So I used to get so much hope from that because I was about 25 at the time where I thought, all right, I think uh, I think this is I think this is where we call it. But um, uh, people like who was it? Even uh, Lagat is still running. A re- I haven't heard his name yeah. in the last 12 months or so, but he's still pumping out some. Pretty ridiculous yeah. times, is he? What, he's about seventy-four at the moment. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Uh, you know, who knows how old he is? Uh, yeah, there, I mean, I think there's a lot, a lot, and I think people are hanging in the sport more. I don't know if that's because there's more opportunities, you know, to move from the track to the road. There's not that stigma anymore. If it's brands that are sticking with people longer, um, or we we've, we've become better trainers we we don't run as hard and we we get more longevity i i don't know what the answer is yeah it is a good question i've uh, i've found it interesting just over the course of the last two years doing this podcast speaking to people of, of all different eras and one of the yeah. things that you sort of uh just touched on without even meaning to there is is something that sparked a thought in my mind do you know lee troop he's an australian marathon runner living up in boulder at the he's about a 209 two i think he's a 209 marathon runner potentially maybe yeah okay okay he's um i feel like if you knew the name you'd 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 probably recognize he's a bit of a character he's a he's a real character in the in the running scene but 
one of the things that he said was, yeah, it was difficult back in the sort of early 90s and, and even like the late 80s for a lot of the top runners because so many of them were, uh, well, they were balancing like a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, and then they would have that on the outside. So it's a good point. Like I wonder how much of it is just, uh, uh, you know, time away from the sport and, and time to be able to recover that promotes that longevity. But it's funny, yeah. 32, there's still some, there's still plenty of athletes busting out some huge times. Like Nick Willis is still going all right, isn't he? Yeah, he's still going really well. I think there's a good crop of us still left. And I think if I look back, I think people still run really well throughout their 30s, especially if you have a little bit of momentum. I think it's hard to come back if you've been out of the sport for a while at this age, but haven't been in it for a little while. I think it's, you know, all sides look good. It's all up from here. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, how long have you been uh, sort of moving along at some serious pace for? Like what age did you have a bit of a breakthrough towards a professional level? Uh, you know, I kind of have like two careers. I have like a good high school to college career, uh, that was like mediocre, let's call it. Um, and then post-college, uh, do anything for a year. I got hurt. Um, and then really until like 2014, I didn't, I didn't really do much note noteworthy. And then, uh, probably 15 until now, probably. So six years. Yeah, and was that injury or was that headspace or what was going on in that period where, where things were a little bit of a plateau? Uh, it was injury. I had I had like the I came out of college having run really well. I went to Europe, um, ran well there, um, and then I came off of it um, trying to make this like big build going into you know the Olympic year of 2012 and kept having this like issue that kept coming up and i couldn't figure it out and you know you're kind of on your own but you're still kind of with your college and it was just not a great environment i was like half in half out and the resources that i that i knew of just we couldn't figure it out um so i had this hip thing and it was just like it'd be the weirdest thing i'd get moving i could go tempo but i couldn't run like i couldn't go out and run like 6 30 7 minute pace but i could run fast um it was just odd um and then i and i finally got connected to a bunch of people and figured it out and then it was just like get the surgery get it fixed and then try to come back and then i was young and dumb and you know it would be like okay take take a month recoup get stronger and i'd be like nah let's just go run like you just need to run you're under you're under the deadline already so let's just go run um what? so i'd get hurt you know 2 months later and then get back into the same cycle uh, so, man, I've seen that theme a, a thousand times. Not only in my own life, but I, I feel like that's just a universal middle distance runners thing, yeah. isn't it? Like we're we're so good at doing the hard work, but when it comes to just letting things recover and oh, taking time out, I'm so glad to hear you struggle with that as well. I, you know, I every year I think, okay, I'm gonna be smarter. What do what do I do poorly? And then immediately when it happens, I'm like, all right, let's just keep keep grinding and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Always the same result. Always, oh, I'm Always. still injured. Exactly, Matt. What are uh, what are some other the uh, uh, some of the other ridiculous things that you've sort of had to learn to master over the last few years, such as just grinding through an injury? Because man, the amount the amount of things that I look back at my career and I was like, okay, if I had my time again there, that would definitely yeah. get altered. I've I've got an endless list of things. Are there some real obvious ones apart from just the the grind and see what happens that stand out to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you know, I look back a little bit and kind of wrong i think i think some of that's really true right like you get you get something that bothers you a little bit and if you would have just taken care of it right away 
you wouldn't have thought about it. But you're so eager to look at the calendar and put put training together on a pa- piece of paper so it looks good that you don't want to miss that day. You're like, ah, I'll just go do it. It'll be fine. And then two weeks later, that little of something of nothing turns into something that is something. Um, and then you're taking 10 days off or something. Uh, mine are always catastrophic. It's like, take six months off. Hope you get better. <laughs> you're going to be in a coffin. You'll be fine. <laughs> Um, so I keep waiting for that day that like, I just take like a dirt nap for, you know, the rest of my life, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. No, that's funny, man. That's so funny. It's uh, it's interesting. Cause one of the things that came up during the conversation, one of the positive things, another positive okay. that was mentioned alongside the name was, um, was just in regards to your headspace. He, he was talking about the group that he had started training with. Cause he said, man, I just, I can't remember if his exact words were just like I couldn't I couldn't figure out how to win or I couldn't figure out how to be competitive or I couldn't figure out how just to be consistent with the good results that I was getting. So he said part of the incentive to coming across to your group was that um, like in the U.S. system, obviously making any of the national teams is a pretty a pretty big task, a pretty uh, a pretty heavy ask. And so many of you guys in the group seem to do it time and time again. And I think Centro uh, Matt Centro, it's for for those of uh, you listening who don't know was a, a great example of a bloke, especially up until uh, Rio. It, it was, yeah, it was Rio, wasn't it? The, was it Rio or London that he won? I'm having a, a little... Rio. Rio, Rio that's Rio. right. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was traveling around Europe at that stage. I remember going to Macca's to get Wi-Fi to try and watch it. But he was a bloke who every time he just lined up on a track, I'd put him in the same category as you. He just he just knew how to produce consistent results. And uh, I can only imagine that like being thrown under the bus with injuries and difficulties and you know all these trials that come up, has to, I guess, force you to come up with some kind of mental game to be able to navigate the difficult times. But I was, man, I was really keen to just pick your brains a little bit around yeah. the the mental side of the game because it, it, from the outset, anyway, or from the outside, it appears to be a, a part of your game which you've uh, which you've got figured out. Like every time you step on the track, you're like, all right, he's going to have a good ride. He's going to, it's going to be a good race. Well, I appreciate that. It doesn't feel that way. Kind of feels like I just cross my fingers and say, let's, let's hope to hold this together. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I feel like we train to race. I, I love to train. I would train even if I wasn't racing. But eventually you got to kind of get on that start line and have confidence in what you're doing. And I, and I think, like, I'm pretty reflective going into races. It's like, man, I've, I've been training for eight months now to, to get out here. So let's let's show a little bit of the fitness that I've been working on. And I, and I think that's the tough part about our sport a little bit is you can have such an incredible buildup and then 24 hours before that first race or before that big championship, you can get hurt and none of it matters. You might be better off for it. On the outside, I'll know how hard you worked to get there. Um, so it's kind of a blessing and a curse a little bit. You know, it's, it, it's, instant gratification when it goes really well but it can be just absolutely heartbreaking when you, when you get so close and things fall apart yeah yeah that makes <laughs> sense and especially when you put it in the context of of how long the lead up to a race is i guess a lot of people who are just watching it on tv might go okay it's a you know it's a three and a half minute race it's a 13 yeah. minute race it's uh it's over and done with pretty quick but you're right that foundation of the lead up it's hard not to get emotional to the to the results that you take out yeah. of it because so much time and effort's been sort of invested in it but 
to, to sort of like delve down even a little bit deeper into into your headspace is it like are there certain um I, i'm trying to be as practical as i can because i know oh, one of the questions that seem to you know keep reaching uh, the instagram inbox to ask i always put out messages just to find out what oh. people want to ask and uh heads like mindset seems to be a, a question which consistently comes up so i always try and ask the the blokes who yeah. are good at running and good at racing if there's any specific things they do to, <laughs> to navigate the the difficulties to to sort of ride the waves of the highs, is it like are you a bit of a practical guy when it comes to that kind of stuff, or are you are you fairly laid back and you know just take it as it comes and try and ride the waves of, of you know whichever uh, form you find yourself? Hey, there's strong disagreement in my household between my partner and I. I would say I'm very cavalier <laughs> and relaxed, and I switch off. She would say I'm the exact opposite that I get super moody and I'm, I, and I'm, you know, neurotic and that week leading into the race, I'm unbearable. Um, but I do think I'm somewhat, uh, reserved. I, I, I don't like talking about races going forward. Um, but in terms of like having good races and bad races, I, I, they're, they're going to happen. Right. And it's just like, how do you, how do you take away whatever, experience it was to make the next one better um that's tough right and i and i think it's tough when you don't have that many so i don't i maybe i'm kind of sidestepping the question here but no, no, that makes sense, man. It's just amazing how much your your wife's sort of diagnosis of your personality sounds a lot like my wife's diagnosis of mine. So we've got that in common. I'm actually glad she's not here just to just to agree with uh, what I've just said. But um, yeah, you're in you're in good company there, man. Um, yeah, that's interesting. One thing that uh, Ryan Gregson, I'm I'm guessing you know Ryan Gregson. Yeah. He's a little bit more uh, around our day and age in terms of yeah. you know the times he's run the, uh, and the places he's run, but. One thing uh, he told me when he was on the podcast a little while ago was I asked him a similar question. I said, mate, like you've obviously, you've had your fair shares of of highs, but you've had your fair share of lows. And and one of the things that he found helpful for him, uh, he stole stole it, I think, um, what's his name? I want to say Steve Scott, but I don't think that's right. It's like an 80s miler. I can't believe I've forgotten his name, but uh, it seems to be a theme in today's chat. So we'll just move forward. But uh, one of the things that he said was uh, he gives himself like an hour after a race to deal with the disappointment of that yeah and i thought that's uh, that's pretty good because I, I think one of the one of the obstacles that i was trying to navigate when i was competing um here in australia was if i had that bad race my next race as you say it might not be for another month or another three weeks and i would yeah. find myself stewing a week and a half uh into the performance that i just had gone i can't believe i'm in such poor form how am i going to turn it around Whereas yeah. just that emotional disconnection between like, all right, the race is done. It was what it was. I'm, I'm just going to switch that off now. I, the way he spoke about it, I thought, ah, oh, that's a really fresh approach. Like at least tomorrow you can wake up, you've got a clean slate, and it's, uh, I guess you've got your eyes focused on, on bigger and better things. So there seems to be a, a couple of things that you top athletes are doing that, that works in your favor. And I know, I reckon if there was a secret ingredient or recipe that I could pass from you onto the whole audience it'd be something to do with navigating those difficult periods in your in your running career yeah i and i and i think it goes both ways right it's the hour of disappointment or it's the hour of excitement i think either way you can't take it with you because it's just not how the sport works at least in my mind i i'm i'm the same way if it i probably off of like man that was really good it's like okay that was great let's move on get back to work tomorrow morning 
Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. So, and and like, I I feel like maybe maybe I'm worse because when people are like, tell me about a race of yours, all I can think of is the bad one. So that's all that comes to mind. I can never remember any positive. It's always like, oh man, this was terrible. Let me tell you about this. One. Yeah, I got my ass kicked in high school. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's very funny. I feel like you're not alone in the uh, in the self in the self criticism of distance runners. It seems to be a bit of a theme. I'm not sure it's as unique to distance runners. Maybe it's just a human thing, but it certainly gets yeah. spoken about a lot uh, amongst elite runners. Man, I want to um, I want to pivot a little bit because I had a had a conversation with uh, a bloke who uh, runs distance as well and truly above what we're talking about here. But um, I don't know if you'd even know the name. Do you know Zach Bitter? Uh, you know, you Australians bewilder me, so I don't. <laughs> well, he's actually, he's an American guy. Oh, um, but he's a, sorry, man, I need to shoot you some of these names before I start asking you the questions. I, I'm throwing you under the bus with all these random names I'm putting out there. But he's, um, I think his claim to fame in my book was, uh, I first heard of him on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he's an ultra, ultra endurance runner. Um, he runs like, I think it's called the Moab 240, like the really long stuff. And he put, I said to him, like, who are some of your influences? Who do you like? And he dropped your name. And this is about six months ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought, all right, yeah, cool. Because I knew who he was talking about. But one of the things that he said, I'd never heard this before. And I wanted to ask you if it was true. I hope I'm referencing this right. Or I hope I'm uh, crediting the right person for this call. But he was saying that uh, when you get onto a start line, like a lot of people like to feel light. They like to feel like they're ready to go. But he was explaining to me that he reckons you, when you're on a start line, you like to feel like a good, solid amount of food in your tummy. So it's a little bit more chocked up. So yeah, I thought, okay, now that I've got the opportunity to ask you, that sounds like a ridiculous idea. However, yeah. I had to ask you if it was true. I, I don't think that's me. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. No. That's Man, living me. the wild life of a distance runner where everyone's just claiming theory. I was about, to, I was about right. to make up some... The amount of rumors I think I've accidentally made up about top runners on this podcast would be disgusting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive him for that. Let's make up some new ones. <laughs> Man, um, no, that's not me. I would love to know who he's talking about. I'm going to go back yeah. and listen to that podcast later yeah. and it won't be him and he'll be talking about a different athlete. However, I can say... That I can say with confidence that was uh, uh, you were referred to as a as an inspiration of his in his performance. So oh, I can give you that with confidence. Nice, <laughs> man. What's the um what's the schedule looking like at the moment up there? What are you uh, outside of your training? Uh, what are you what are you doing in your downtime there? I loved how flexible you were in organising this podcast. Oh. It's Good Friday over here. My wife wanted to go to church this morning, so mm. I had to I had to push uh, it back an hour. No problem. Uh Flagstaff is this place where I, I, I come just to train. Um, I try not to bring up too much baggage in terms of like things that I need to get done. I try to get a bunch of stuff done prior to leaving home. If that's like, you know, here in the States, tax day is April 15th or 14th or something. So it's like, get that done before I come up. And then I don't have to worry about trying to work on anything while I'm up here. And it's just fo- purely focused on running better. Saying that, I like to switch off and do other things, but really, kind of, I'm pretty dialed in here. I feel like I do moderately good training when I'm at home. I get distracted and I go do something else. But when I get up here, it's like, okay, it's easy to run twice. It's easy to spend extra time doing doing stuff that might make me feel better if it's recovery or if it's strength or if it's doing extra strides or if it's just talking shop. I, you know, I, I feel like I really get dialed in when I'm up here. 
Yeah. Is that just because there's not much else going on outside of your running? Uh, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I've strategically made it that way. I haven't brought up other stuff. I, I, you know, my partner would love to come up and it's just like, do you want to come up? Do you not like not that enjoyable of a space to be in? Um, I would love for her to come up. It's just like, okay, we're up here to get work done. Uh, let's just, let's just do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by like, you know, coal miners who go off to some camp for, you know, two years, come back with, you know, buckets of gold ready to retire that's how i think of it that's work a cool for a really hard time fill your bags full of money and come home and retire i love that man i love that yeah that's, that's my really idea cool, that's a really cool image that's a cool image to take away keep you inspired when you're away from the family for a little while hey yeah, yeah except awesome. for mine's like three gold bars three gold pieces <laughs> not buckets <laughs> You're not being greedy. You're not being greedy with your coal mining. No, I like that. So uh, in terms of how you've structured your training, like obviously you've, you've given us a little taste test there of, you know, you're probably running twice a day and doing plenty of strength conditioning strides and stuff. What does the training schedule look like up there at the moment? So yeah, is it two day, uh, two times a day every day? Or like, could you give us a walk through your, your week without yeah. give us, giving away too many secrets? No, no, secrets <laughs> are easy. Um, you know, I think, pretty much everybody kind of does the same stuff right if it's if it's three session weeks or two session weeks if you're on a 10 day 12 day whatever cycle you're on right it's long run at kind of the end of it and tempo somewhere and threshold i'm a pretty basic guy um i like three session weeks i i, I seem to i seem to work well off of it um it keeps my runs a little bit slower between the days so I don't get too excited and run too fast or too far or something. So I like going, you know, every other day and just working hard. Really, that's kind of my my thing. Um, and I don't, you know, like a typical double. I and I'm sure I'll get some flag for it. Um, sometimes I only go outside and run for you know 15 minutes. It's just enough to like warm up. And if that's followed by something, you know, some other activity or not, I it just varies. Um, I'm not that dialed in when it comes to like, what am I going to do in the afternoon? Well, the afternoon is just like, do I go shake out? Do I run longer? However I feel really, you know, some days I'll go out and run six miles in the, in the evening or I'll run 15 minutes, you know, and 15 minutes might only be a mile just kind of jogging around. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, man. I reckon that'll strike a chord with, with a lot of people because like you, I, uh, well, I, I don't know if this is like you anymore, but, but growing up, I was a pretty strict keeper of a training diary. And I, I liked the, um, I think, I think I liked the romanticism of it looking back and seeing, oh, wow, look how consistent I've been for 47 days. And uh, exactly. like the idea of listening to how my body felt played very little part in what training was being done because my goal was, okay, you're going to run, uh, you know, 60 miles this week, no matter what. And uh, yeah. I think that led to plenty of poor performances. But uh, like the beauty of looking back at a training diary, it's nice to see the work that you put in, even on the days where you probably shouldn't have been. But I think the, uh, I guess the obstacle with keeping a journal like that is that you can get so caught up in distance at yeah. the end of a week and you can equate distance with some, you know, made up version of, uh, you know, what kind of form that you're in. So I'm guessing that, you know, firstly, do you keep a training diary? And secondly, I'm guessing that the, uh, the grip that how many miles you've run per week plays very little impact on, uh, on your overall sort of focus for the, the structure of your week. 
Yeah, I, I'm not too tied to overall my mileage. I think I'm pretty consistent within 10, up or down. Um, you know, the best thing I think that's kind of happened is the invention of these watches. Um, I'm not too, like, tethered to my watch. But instead of coming back home or finishing the night or at the end of the week, writing it all down, right? And I think that's kind of the typical, you know, way of keeping your training log is like okay i'll write it down at the end of the day or at the end of the week i try not to because then i get too caught up in like oh maybe i should have done more or maybe it's too much or this or that and it's and it's um it's being able to go back on my watch six months from now postseason and rewriting it and saying okay this is kind of where we went i have a really good two-week swing i always do i write down on a whiteboard like this is what i want to accomplish for two weeks and this is what i did two weeks ago and then i erase it go from there right so it kind of jumps back and forth in the categories this is next two weeks this is going to be the last two weeks right yeah, cool, man. Like, so, how much detail do you go into on your on your whiteboard? Is it just like an, an overall message for the next two weeks, or is it like a bit of a detailed idea of what you've got planned for your sessions? Uh, it's pretty detailed. You know, uh, it's a lot of ideas, right? Like, there might be like a like three options for sessions, depending what what we're trying to get done, um, and kind of playing around with it, right? It's like, okay, how what do we need to fit in and what are we really working for in this block right if that block is to get in the best 10k half marathon shape or is it the is it a block to get in the best 15 3k 3 5 whatever you're trying to accomplish right and it's just keeping that in mind when you're writing the sessions and knowing that you know the last two sessions are going to catch back up so you're kind of just kind of playing around with it yeah what, what's on there at the moment uh right now not you know right now it's just like came off kind of general stuff in eugene did a good session before i wanted to rip a good session in eugene at level and then come back up and really i and i think there's a, a couple of different ways to approach it this like i said this is my 10th year in flag so i come up you know jog post travel next day i like to go out and just hurt just immediately get myself in the hurt locker and be like, all right, camp started. This is going to suck. Let's do it. And I think the other approach is to kind of like, you know, ease your way into it. I just can't be bothered with that. I want to immediately be like, this sucks. I puked on the side of the road. Let's, <laughs> let's get, let's get to work. Yeah, that's awesome. What was the, uh, what was the welcome to Flagstaff session this season? Uh, I did basic, I just do time. You know, it's, it's, it's too hard to like, you know, I know enough of the roads to be like, okay, in three minutes I can make it to this point. And then in two minutes I can make it to this point and then back again. Right. And then it's just like you set a marker on your first one and you just get a little bit further each time. So it's playing around with that. Yeah. It's so funny, man. This is why I love these conversations with you guys, because I reckon from an outsider's perspective, we look at an elite runner and we say, and I've been exposed to the sport long enough now to know it's not true, but I still find it interesting uh, I think there's a, a misconception that the elite runners are looking at every minor, tiny detail of every session, of every up and of every down. And uh, like my audience is probably sick of me saying this, but I feel like it's the complete opposite with so many top runners. Like Stewie McSwain, when he came on, he was saying he doesn't even run with a watch. 
And I don't wow. know if that's true for his sessions, but I asked him why that is. Because the conversation came up. I said, oh, what pace do you run your easy runs? And he's like, I, I honestly don't know. He's yeah. like, I just, I just run, like you were saying, I run to how I feel. And I'm sure some days it might be three minutes, 50 per kilometer. I'm not sure what that equates to for a while. Not that you need it. You've been in the sport long enough now. I bet that, that mental maths is, uh, is, is hot. Yeah. But, uh, but I thought that was really interesting. It seems to be a theme amongst so many runners that, okay, they're, they're actually, rather than being really good at, at nailing and dialing into like the, the nitty gritty details, they're actually good at taking like a bird's eye picture or like that whiteboard approach of like, what yeah. does the next couple of weeks hold? And there's, I, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe you can help me out here, but it just seems, it seems to be a freeing approach that allows you to get a little bit of distance from the sport and um, either way, like not get too caught up in the euphoria of a good race or a good session and probably not get too bogged down in like the disappointment of a bad session. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have a good story. I remember being, we went to do like pre pre session going into, I can't remember what race. And there was like five of us. Not one of us brought a watch. Nobody brought a watch. And it was like, how did none of us bring a watch? And it was just like, I, I don't know. I got my shoes, man. I got my shoes. I'm ready to go. It was just like, all right, let's, let's keep going. Um, yeah, I, I think, there's two approaches right you're so dialed in until it just doesn't you just you know you're fit let's move on i think it's when you're not fit and you're you're counting the days to that race and you're like every day counts every hour counts how do i maximize it well once you're in shape it sometimes it doesn't matter sometimes it's just like go work really hard move on with your day um i, I find that more true than than we're all super easy going i think when you're in shape and you know you're in shape it don't matter right i'm just gonna go out work really hard and my fitness will come yeah yeah yeah. that's interesting man have you got any um like for the times that you've experienced lulls in your career where you might not be running as well as what you'd anticipated at that time have you got any any sort of shakeout secrets or is it just okay i'm just gonna go and put in the work until things click obviously you know just um you know outside of injury and things like that when it's more yeah. just a um, when you know the blood levels are fine and the body's feeling fine, but for whatever reason you're just not running as as well as what you feel you should be. You know those are tough, right? Um, I don't. I wish I had some secrets. If you get some secrets, pass them on. Uh, I'll shoot your message. <laughs> yeah, please. I think a lot of times it's it's want to be running fast, so then you force everything to be fast, right? You say my training let's just use an example. My training puts me at a four minute mile. So I should run four minutes. And then every time you stand on that line, you're like, okay, I've got to run sixties all the way through. And then you're trying so hard to do it that you just don't let it happen. Right. It's like you're, you're tight mentally and physically and every lap becomes harder than it needs to be. Cause you're just working that much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that answers the question so much. I think, I do think sometimes it's just like how much the mental side does affect yeah. it. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense, man. Like I, I can say, and this is where like the, the beautiful analogy of distance running just spreads through every area of my life. It's oh, every area of all of our lives. It's, it seems that the worst form we're in, the more tense we get about it, the, yeah. the harder everything seems to be. It's, um, exactly. I, I love that. I don't know. I, I think I'm quoting this correctly, a Bruce Lee quote where he just talks about being water. Just going with the yeah. flow. Like there's gonna be you know, there's gonna be times where it's easy. It's gonna be times where it's difficult. But hey, like the the 
the more seriously you take yourself, the the harder it's going to be to get through that period. And I think that's always a, a like a really refreshing attitude because um, it, like I look back at my own career and the difficult times you can you can see them like with the beauty of hindsight where you go, oh, okay, it actually didn't seem, it, it wasn't really there for that long. It might've been a month here or there. Um, but you look back and you're like, all right, like in hindsight, that wasn't such a serious issue. But when you're, when you're there looking at it so when closely, it, it's like, so... oh, come on, like this. I've been in this for three weeks now. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, man. What do you, uh, so in your, you mentioned before, uh, you know, you're doing a bit more like with your strength and conditioning and, and your recovery yeah. and stuff up there. What, what does that look like at the moment? How many strength and conditioning kind of sessions are you doing in a week? Uh, you know, probably three. Um, I'm a, uh, I'm a keep it super simple kind of guy. Um, I believe that like you'll probably run your best if you're symmetrical, like we're going to be weak. You're going to find weaknesses. It's just making sure that your right and left side are equally as weak. Um, so I do a lot of like, and I, and I'm sure a lot of people talk about it. It's just trying to find a balance of like, how much can you do and still bounce off of it? You don't want to be neurologically shot. You want to be physically shot. You want to still wake up the next day and feel good. So I end up, I end up basically put, I'll, I'll go do a session eat something and then do some kind of conditioning, some kind of strength activity. Um, and I try to make sure that my hard days are really hard so that like everything's inside that, that 24 hour period. And then I have 48 hours to recover. If that makes sense yeah. versus spreading it out. I've never felt good spreading it out. It's like, okay, Monday I'll lift Tuesday. I'll work out Wednesday. I'll lift Thursday. I'll work out. I get exhausted from that. It's like every day, then I have to be mentally dialed in to what I'm doing versus like, all right, for the next five hours, I can dial in, be done. I got all day to recover post run. Yeah. It's not that hard to go out and run, but it sucks when you're always tired. Yeah, that's funny, man. Like this has been a conversation which has popped up as well quite a bit in the last couple of months. And uh, until recently, I had I had no idea that there was plenty of athletes who actually enjoyed just doing that block of time. And it makes so much sense to me. Like the idea of doing something hard every day, I can see where people are coming from. They're like, all right, I've got a session on this day. I've got to work out here. Okay, I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of a break and punch out a really hard gym session. But yeah. It does sound, I just like how neat that sounds. It's like, all right, we're going to yeah. work out, work out hard, and then go to the gym. So, like, will you always, you'll do your fast, hard running first, and then after that, what, you'll go to the gym, and you'll punch out, like, some pretty heavy, are you lifting heavy? Are you no. more body weight? What are you doing? You know, I used to. I used to be a big, like, so I'll tell, I'll be really quick in my thing. I had no experience with, like, Olympic lifting, any of that before I got here to Oregon track club. And, and then even in the beginning, early time, it was like, you were so uncoordinated and have such poor body awareness. Why don't you just work on skipping outside? Um, <laughs> so then I, I've really just come down to like functional movements. It's just like, what do I need to run fast? It's, it's hip strength. It's calf strength some flexibility it's mobility through like your thoracic spine it's getting your shoulders to move i would love i would absolutely love to get in the gym and like move heavy weight all the time and, and look like a stud but that's not me i wish it was it's not me um i'm just not neurologically connected enough maybe i i just lack that fundamental foundation to to be successful in it and I think 
when you think you're when things have gone really well, it's like, do I want to take the risk of the unknown of really working on it to get better? Or do I want to kind of stick to the known and just get stronger in what I need? Um, so I've always kind of taken that approach. It's like, all right, here's the unknown. What's the risk? And here's the known. And what do we know we'll get? And I think you have to go, you have to dip your feet into the unknown, but I don't think you want to rewrite your whole training. At least for me, I, I've never been willing to take that risk. Yeah. And maybe that's why I'm where I am in my career. Yeah, it's a smart, it's a smart approach, man. I like it. I really like that. Um, dude, I'm sorry. I've, I've wanted to jump back to this question since no, uh, a little bit ago. So sorry if I'm jumping around a little bit. But I asked you about your welcome to Flagstaff session. But I think you mentioned that there was a goodbye Eugene session that you did. Um, yeah, that you were pretty happy with. What What did you have on the schedule at that particular time? Uh, we just we um, kind of jump in and out with the guys a little bit, um, and just had a really good track session. Just like move through the gears, knowing that probably wouldn't get that opportunity for a week, maybe ten days, and it was just nice to like do something tough. Right, you get on the track and you start moving in that like. 15 3k pace with shorter recovery and just get it done and you just leave eugene feeling good right um and if it would would have went terrible it's like okay then i gotta really get the flag and start getting in shape um but i think to do that kind of session down in eugene made sense before we traveled up or before i traveled up um so that was kind of it i'm, I'm a little vague on my sessions you know i don't want to give too much away no, fair enough, man. If I was running as fast as you were, I wouldn't be giving too much away either. I always love it. I think uh, I saw Jordan Hussey start a, a Strava profile a little while ago, and I went to follow it, and I noticed it was set to private. And I was like, ah, clever girl, clever girl. You know how many people will be uh, uh, you know, having a look around at the times that you're running and the paces that you're running and trying to sell it off as their training program? <laughs> yeah. So. What about um in terms of your recovery? Like, uh, are you doing any anything there, or is it is, is it pretty stock standard? Like, you're focused on your, your diet and you're getting some massage here and there, or like what what what, um, what role does that play in your training? You know, this is a big big year. So last during COVID, right, we we're kind of in lockdown and not much changed for me. I have I have a home gym. I run right from my house, so I was really lucky in that sense of like not much change. But the one thing that did change was like do I want to go see a massage person? Do I want to go out into public to do that stuff? And I, and I really didn't. So I kind of like scratched my head and decided like, all right, let's, let's play around. What can we do to recover? And what I ended up finding is I love, I like ice baths. I like the idea that like, it sucks, right? You get in it. It sucks. Maybe it's like the mental like toughness of just sitting in there. So I ended up making like a chest freezer ice tub because I would, too conscious about like okay every night i'm gonna do this ice bath well you're wasting so much water and then my ice maker is constantly making ice and it just didn't seem didn't seem sustainable and i didn't really think it was like environmentally friendly to do it so i ended up getting an ice or ice chest and filling it with water and then it just constantly stays at whatever temperature you set it at so i was doing that every night and now that i'm here you know i try to elevate my legs like two times 10 minutes a day i know they make like those air compression things um I, I just can't be bothered to go get one of those it's like legs up the wall back to high school days let's do it 
Yeah, perfect. I've seen a couple of pairs of those uh, those blow-up pants, and you have to be a confident man to put them on because I haven't exactly. seen too many stylish-looking ones yet. Also, I haven't seen too many Instagram photos of those pants on it. <laughs> and I think, like, you're kind of tied in them, right? You've got to, like, put them on and then go through the – I don't know. I'm a simple guy. Man, I love that. I love that. Outside of your running, what are you what are you doing to, to, to keep yourself entertained? Because – I uh, I started watching Morgan McDonald's YouTube channel, and I watched okay. his first I watched his first video. And one of the things that he spoke about, he's like, "Look, I'm not complaining. I love distance running, but being a professional distance runner can it can be sort of boring." He's like, oh, "I like my own time." Boring. He's like, "So I'm starting this YouTube channel as something to do." And I was yeah. like, uh, "I heard on the street that, and I don't know if I got these facts wrong as well, that you're a little bit of a car guru." Uh, not guru, just collector of junk. Let's call it that. <laughs> so is that uh, like what are you what are you doing to entertain yourself outside of you? Are you a Netflix man? You're working on your cars, looking after yeah. your family, a little bit of all. Yeah, I got two dogs that keep me highly entertained. Um, yeah, kind of stuff like that. Um, we try to get. We're not far from the beach or the coast. We're like ninety minutes, so we go to the coast once in a while. Um, and besides that, I feel like. Stuff kind of constantly comes up if it's, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like last, like I thought COVID, I thought I would do a bunch more during COVID, but I found myself really busy with like just random stuff. Um, if it was, I don't know, I can't give you any examples. I've, everything's kind of blanking my mind at the moment, but I found myself really busy. I thought like I'd go fish a lot. I'd work on my cars and really none of that happened. It was just like, helping people out i guess yeah man nah interesting Dude, it's interesting so you're a bit of a fisherman so my my brother-in-law he he moved to i don't know if you know i don't know how small this town is but it's about i think it's a few hours from you uh medford in oregon yeah yeah I so I, I, I was hoping That's that awesome. wasn't just like some tiny little country town that no one had heard of but so he uh long story bro back in yeah. 2012 he met a chick on instagram don't ask me how it happened but it did he got married to her in 2013, uh, moved to, to Medford. And I've been over there three times. And every time That's I awesome. go, it's, uh, it's got to do with we're, we're out, in, we're out in, the, in the, what do you guys call it? Out in the forest, out in the bush, and uh, we're out on the rivers. He's trying to catch bull trout. And, uh, man, the amount, awesome. of, uh, the amount of love that nature throws you guys is, uh, has been pretty nice. Hey? Like, it's, a good, it's a good place to, to be as a, yeah. as a man who's keen to fish. Yeah, I, Oregon's a super cool place, and Medford, Ashland area has incredible running. Oh, I love it. Just absolutely. It makes me want to be a hippie every time I go there. <laughs> no, that big watershed behind Ashland, man, you can run for miles up there. Um, we took a long vacation down there one time, like five days, and it was like, man, you can get out and just run all day. Just a blast. Yeah, it was crazy. Last time we were there, I want to say it was 2014, and they were filming some movie in Ashland with – um. I think it had Reese Witherspoon. I want to say it's called Wild or or something. Oh, yeah, she, just, yeah, she goes on some thing. monster walk. And Ashland, yeah. it was, uh, I think it was fall. It was super pretty, man. Like the colors That's were awesome. insane. And I saw a big film crew standing around a small tree. And it looked like they were sort of manipulating leaves or whatever. And I, okay. I got, the curiosity got the better of me. And I went up to them and I was like, hey, what are you guys actually doing there? And they're like, oh, we're actually, we're sewing on some uh, really colorful leaves to this tree. And I was like, dude, you don't need to. Like, this is, a, <laughs> this is perfect as it is. So that's, the, that's like a little memory of Ashland. But yeah, in terms of, uh, there's, there's not many places I've been uh, 
that I've seen sort of the natural beauty that, that Oregon, or especially in Medford. I've been to Eugene briefly, um, visited pre's, uh, what do you call crash site yeah. and everything like that. Cause yeah. as a Australian distance runner who grew up with, uh, you know, Preezy's here, I thought, okay, it's just, yeah. you have to tick that off your list. Yeah. Um, but I don't know a lot about Eugene, but yeah, the rest of the countryside that I've seen, it's been a, it's been yeah. sort of mind blowing, man. Yeah, it's super cool. Super yeah. Cool. So, dude, what do you got planned in terms of races and things like that? I know. Well, the next six weeks are, are probably just hey, let's train. But have you got yeah. anything on the horizon, like a, apart from Tokyo? <laughs> uh, trials, trials. I keep telling people when they ask when are when are you gonna race, I'm like I'll probably race at the trial. That's my yeah, next sure. one. Um, I don't know yet. I think. You know, I think the outlook right now with COVID is pretty positive. I think the vaccine's rolling out really well. Um, so I think there'll be opportunities, but I think you have to be fairly flexible. And I think, like, if an opportunity presents itself to go to Doha, I'd probably go. Um, I think you can't turn down opportunities. Um, but in saying that, if there's some great opportunities around the States, I, I will probably find myself there. Um I think it just kind of depends. And I think it's, we're still far enough out that people haven't put permanency to it. It's still like, you know, pen to paper. Okay. This is kind of what we're thinking. Let's see how many people are interested and then go from there. So I think there's still some, some questions out there on what the schedule will look like. I think in Europe, it seems a little bit more dialed in than here. I think here it's a lot, a lot more people that are like, okay, Let's put on a meet during the night and, you know, run 15, 5, and 10 and see what happens versus a whole meet, right? Yeah. Well, okay, so there's still – I was going to ask you that, actually. There's still been a few races taking place over there because I feel like Melbourne – man, I don't know what you guys were like in Portland, but Melbourne, we were we were locked down for ages. Like it was the, it was the hey, you got two weeks to <laughs> I heard the that. curve. And I think we were down there. I think we were the third most locked up city in the world at one particular stage. So we, we copped it sweet. And then recently um, – I've just started to notice, so like for a while, masks were mandatory. Like if you'd go to yeah. San, they, they, I don't know what it's like over there, but it was it was pretty hard to sort of monitor what went where, and it got messy for a little while because I'd I'd be in the gym working out, and masks weren't required when you were sweating next to someone. But then you'd go into the supermarket where there was no one around; it was compulsory <laughs> to enter. And I was like, wait, I'm so confused. I've just sweat, been sweating next to Bruce for the last bloody half an hour, and now I'm trying That's to get fun. some broccoli, and I can't. That's hilarious. No, I you know I think it's you know here we I kind of the floodgates right like some states didn't care at all some states were locked down i felt lucky that like eugene's a pretty small town especially when you remove the college kids and i'd go out and run and see maybe one person two people right in the mornings and it's like my level of concern is pretty low when i'm when i work out in my my garage and i i, I don't have to go anywhere for work and i, and I run and i see one or two people it, it didn't really stress me out too much um you know, and I and I do think it was kind of a benefit for me. It was like, okay, we can take care of things that were going to be a problem. And we knew we're going to be a problem that we're just gonna like bandage up and just like smile our way through. Um, so the year hopefully has helped me. Yeah, not to bring it back to me. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome man. Are you mates with Andrew Weeding? Uh, Weeding and I were good friends for a while. He's up in Portland now, working on on, um, kind of kicking ass. Yeah, yeah, sweet. No, I was, I was just asking because um, a while ago, like I think it was right in the midst of it, I was having a chat to him, and he was telling me, uh, he was just telling me that it was a, it was pretty intense, just with the perspectives on what you yeah. should be doing. He said uh, one morning, him and I, I think it was, 
think it was Craig Ingalls, maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I, he was he was going out for a run with someone that he, he was running around with. This is a, a bit of a social thing. And he stepped outside to, to go for a run and some lady yelled out to him. He's like, hey, asshole, where's your mask? He's like, oh, what? I'm just yeah. trying to get fit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, I understand that whole thing. I think it's tough. I think, yeah, it's, it was tough. We'll see. We'll see kind of how it unfolds right now. So. Yeah. No, awesome, brother. Awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, I can see that sun is going well and truly down behind you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's surely dinner time over there, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh, close. Yeah, close. Yeah, awesome, brother. I'll um, I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up for you in just a minute, man. But uh, any uh, any other words of wisdom that you you want to leave the the audience with? There's there's plenty of. Oh, I've been trying to gauge um, who the actual audience is, and there seems to be a nice crossover between athletes of all levels. But I think. From from what I can tell, there seems to be a lot of new athletes, just or new runners getting on board who are who are just trying to find their way in the scene. So I'm always curious to know if there was anything that any athletes wish they had known when they were starting out, or or, or wish they uh, you know might be able to just magnify it a little bit. So yeah. I thought I'd throw that to you and, and see if you yeah. had any words of wisdom for like a, a more a relatively new runner who might be trying to find their feet in the sport. Uh, you know if. If I could go back and do one thing different, it would be to play other sports, truly. I think to have that body awareness, to have that body mechanics, and, and to be strong in all different you know positions versus just one way, right? We always move one way, and, and I think our body quickly finds the easiest path to move forward, and that's not always the most efficient. So I think it's, it's playing other sports and, and being a very well-rounded athlete. And I, and I think you can, you can build your cardio doing so many other things than just junk miles, especially as a kid, you know, you brought up weeding, weeding was a prime example of a guy that probably didn't run that much, but was a cardio machine and could step into the 800 with limited training and still get great results. Right. By just doing other sports. Um, so I think that's really valuable and that's one I wish I would have would have known right i didn't know anything it's just like oh you're good at running at 14 let's like progress man that's great advice and actually it ties in beautifully i've had a couple of strength coaches over here uh, a bloke called john quinn who who our audience is well and truly acquainted with now who who spoke about the same thing he said that back when he was a kid um adults would get adult injuries like they would do their acls because they're a little bit out of shape he said, but at the moment, like there's so many 14-year-old kids playing soccer or Australian football who are starting to get adult injuries. And the reason is because so well, many of these young kids are trying to specialize at such a young age that their body yeah. gets so used to one particular motion that as soon exactly. as you throw it out and put a bit of pressure on, um, you know, you start seeing those injuries. So, man, I reckon that's uh, that's incredible advice. That's that's really good, bro. But, man, hey, once again, I want to thank you so much for coming no problem, on. Sorry to, sorry to delay it by an hour. I no appreciate problem. your flexibility, no bro. No problem at all, man. And uh, wait, I'll be cheering for from uh, for you from over in Melbourne, man. Looking forward to uh, to Appreciate seeing you it. back on the track and putting up some big times, bro. So, man, maybe maybe uh, later in the year, if you're keen, you want to do a round two after. Hopefully, Tokyo goes ahead and you put some more yeah. times on the board. Love to love you. Ha- have you back on, brother? Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs>